Welcome to it. Look at that. Three minutes after one o'clock on your Sunday, we are set to go. John Scholes here. And of course, Lior Sam Fear from employmentlawyer.ca. Want to reach out to Lior anytime. Easy to do so. How do you do it? Send him an email. First of all, how about that? We're off air. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Or for this uh, this case, answers at employmentlawyer.ca might be easier. Answers at employmentlawyer.ca. And we always encourage you to phone after the show anytime. Have that uh, lengthier private conversation with Lior, member of his team. How do you do it? Simple, one 855 821-5900. But here and now, you've got just about an hour to call into the show uh, this afternoon here on a Sunday and get busy. Start talking to us. Ask your questions. You have questions about your employment life, dealing with an employer. Maybe it's a severance question. Maybe it's a layoff question. Could be anything. We talk about all kinds on the show every week. So feel free to chime in and, uh, and join the show. 416 872 1010 is how you do that. 416 872 1010 to call the show. And uh, this week, we're going to concentrate on everything you need to know about medical leaves. Maybe get some email if we can, Lior, in a bit. But we always start off, pal, with the case of the day. What is happening on your end? Hey, Johnny. Great to be here. Great to be back. Great to yeah, be man. live again to answer employment law questions. So, this is the opportunity that you have right now to call and find out what the answers are to your problems. What are the solutions that are available to you? If you're dealing with a workplace issue, a conflict, whether it's a loss of a job, a change to your job, being mistreated, bullied, harassed, you name it, this is the opportunity to call us live and I'll give you the answers. I'll tell you what you need to know. I'll explain the law to you so that you walk uh, out of here or that you, you when you hang up the phone, you'll know exactly what to do. So take advantage of that. We are not always working in a perfect work environment or in a perfect situation. So if your situation is perfect, great. If it's not, call us right now. Let's find out what we can do about it. Of course, as John said, you also have the second option, which is to call me in the office anytime or email me. We'll give you that contact information again throughout the show. But now that we know what we want to do, let's do it. Let's talk about a couple of situations that came across my desk. First situation I'll tell you about, I'll tell you about. I spoke with a gentleman who... Uh, uh, first day, John, get this, first day back in the office after the holiday, being called into a meeting and told, mm-hmm. sorry, uh, last day today, we're going to have to let you go. Now, uh, he was only there for six months. He was hired uh, in the you know, second half of last year, and the company had offered him three weeks of severance. So right off the bat, I'll tell you that after six months of employment, three weeks of severance is terrible. After six months of employment, he was probably owed about four months severance. But that's not where the story ends, not even close. In speaking to him, I found out that when he joined the company uh, six months ago, he was actually recruited from another company where he had worked for 15 years. Wow. Now, John, he had uh, not applied for a job. He they, they actually contacted him through LinkedIn, and they uh, eventually convinced him to interview there. They made him all kinds of promise about his future and his future compensation and his upwards mobility in the company. He's going to be promoted, etc. He agreed to take the job, and of course, it didn't work out. Six months later, they let him go. Well, here's the thing, and I hope our regular listeners know what I'm about to say. If you're recruited from another job, only to then shortly thereafter be let go, you're going to be owed enhanced severance. Severance that actually recognizes the past service you had with your previous employer. So in this case, he may have only worked for this new employer for six months, but he had 15 years with the previous company, the one that uh, he was recruited away from. 
So now we have to account for those 15 years in his severance. So he's owed probably anywhere from 12 to 14, 12 to 15 months of severance, even though he only worked for his employer for six months. So forget about the three weeks that they offered him. Frankly, that's that's a joke. He's owed north of a year's pay. So I'm involved now. I'm helping him get it. It's not even going to be difficult. But an important reminder for those of you out there that you may have rights or there may be reasons as to why you wrote a lot. And I do mean a lot more severance than you realize. So, so important. Whether you work for six months or six years or any other amount, call or email me before you do anything because the lot is quite generous, John, when it comes to severance. Again, guys, that uh, that email anytime to reach out to Lior answers at employmentlawyer.ca and to reach up at the firm and his team, 1-855-821-5900. We, we always ask you and invite you to join us uh, the show here live at uh, 108, just getting warmed up, 416-872-1010 is how you do that. And uh, I want to get to Phil. Phil, thanks for standing by for a moment, pal. How are you? Have we got Phil? Okay, you hear Phil, Lior? I can't. Hear I Phil. cannot hear Phil. I cannot hear Phil. Neither can I. Okay, well, uh, we'll go back to Phil in a second when we get him sorted out. But the second Matt you wanted to talk about, what was that, Phil? So I've been getting this actually quite a bit uh, over the past uh, few weeks, starting before the holidays and now right after the holidays. And that is situations where companies have announced that they're moving locations. You know, we're we're going to start off the year or early in the year, we're going to move locations, we're going to go somewhere else, uh, new facilities. And the question is, what does that mean for the employees? Because for some employees, that may be a big deal. It may impact how long it takes them to get to work. It, uh, it may impact their ability to, uh, to, you know, to be home on time. So what does that mean? So generally speaking, if a company makes a significant change to your work location, that could be a constructive dismissal. So what is significant change? Significant really would be if it's now means that you're going to take an extra hour to get to work more than you did before. So that's kind of the rule of thumb that I follow. If because of this move, it's going to be an extra hour for you more than you were doing before they made that move, we're in constructive dismissal territory. And if we're in constructive dismissal territory, that means you're going to be owed severance. If you choose not to accept the uh, the move, you can consider that as a termination and get your full severance, of course, up to two years of pay. So you have that option if that move happens. And I've already spoken with three or four people just over the past few weeks where that's exactly what's happened to them. So if you're in that situation, if you're facing a significant move, a relocation in your work uh, location, Give me a call. That may be a constructive dismissal. Have we got Phil on the line? Yes, you do. There we go. Hey, Phil, what's going on, Phil? What's your concern? Well, my question is basically what you were just discussing. Um, Awesome. My son has been an hourly employee with a company uh, in Etobicoke for 11 years. And uh, there's a a very strong rumor. Well, it's a fact, but they haven't announced it. But their company will be moving from Etobicoke to Bolton. He travels on public transit, um, doesn't have a car, and it would be a significant burden for him to get there by transit. Would he be uh, eligible for any kind of compensation? if he doesn't go with the company. So actually, it is exactly what we've been talking about, Phil. Absolutely. So it's a good question. So this, obviously, the move from uh, Tobacco to Bolton would be very significant for your son. Now, it may not be as significant for someone else, depending where, where that person lives and they have a car, etc. But for your son, if he mm-hmm. has to take public transit now to Bolton, 
that's going to, I don't know what the public transit situation is, but I'm assuming it's going to take him a significant amount of time. So yes, this would be a constructive dismissal. So here's what happens. When this move happens, he has two options. Number one is he can do it and, you know, get to work with transit and, and do it that way. Or option number two is he can choose to consider that move as a termination of employment. We call this constructive dismissal and leave and get severance. Now, for him, 11 years, he'd probably be looking at anywhere from eight to 12 months, depending on his age and the specific job that he is doing. So we're talking significant amount of severance. So Phil, if that change happens, once he knows when it's going to happen, have him give me a call and I'll put everything in place so that he can uh, pursue a constructive dismissal. That's great. Thanks for the information. We thought that might be the case, and that's good to hear that, that it, it is. Thank you. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, Phil, you mentioned that because Lior knows, you know, I live in Etobicoke as well, and I have family members who move to Bolton, and Highway 50 on a good day is a nightmare, never mind it's trying brutal. to yeah, transit brutal. out there. Oh, it's, yeah. it's awful. It's awful. It's only 30K from Etobicoke, but it's a long 30K time-wise. So, Lior, to that's your right. point, it's yeah. going to be a significant change for uh, for Phil for sure, or at least his son, right? Yeah, and, and listen, if you're already kind of living halfway between Etobicoke and Bolton, you have a car, you may not care. It may be just fine for you. So that's why the, the issue is not the distance that the yeah. company is moving or the location. The issue is how does that impact the individual employee? Every person is different. For some people, that may mean, hey, I'm actually closer to work now. That's amazing. For other people, like with Phil's son, that may mean, holy cow, this is a huge deal. It changes my life completely. Then we're talking constructive dismissal. So definitely keep that in mind. It's not about, some people say, well, they only moved five kilometers or 20 kilometers. Forget about kilometers. It's not relevant. The question is, how does that move affect you? You know, the, the follow-up sometimes to that question is, just before we break here, Lior, is, you know, maybe Phil's son really loves the job. He's got a lot of buds he works with out there. Maybe he wants to try it to see if, I, I don't know how you get to transit in Bolton. It's brutal. But maybe he wants to take it out for a, for a spin, see if he can do it, and then not be stuck to it you know what i mean yeah so and that is actually something that you can do especially when it comes to a move so what i would do in that situation if if phil's son or anyone else in that situation wants to try to see if it's really going to be as bad as they think is once that move is announced once the company says okay effective this date we're moving you write to the company email works fine text messages uh, work fine by simply saying, you write to the company, say, well, I'm very concerned. I don't know that I can do this. I may not be able to commute that far, but I'm going to try this for two weeks or three weeks, and I'm going to let you know then how it's going. So you do that, you try it, and after two or three weeks, if it's as bad as you think, if it's uh, as hard, as difficult as you think, you can still say constructive dismissal, but it's very important that you contact, that you tell your employer that in writing. If it's verbal, it's not gonna. It's not gonna work. So always, always in writing. The general rule on the show: always get everything in writing. You got some time now. Phil uh, laid the uh, table nicely, so you can join us as well. How do you do it? Easy. Four one six eight seven two ten ten. Four one six eight seven two ten ten to get on the air here and join us and ask your questions. We'd love to get you on. You want to send an email along? Answers at employmentlawyer.ca. Answers at employmentlawyer.ca. And I want to remind you: you also have the option of pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Great website built by Lior and his crew. It'll answer most of your questions. It's free and it's anonymous. And you will have free access as well to the severance calculator, which over 2 million people have uh, benefited from. So that's all free as well as we continue on here with the Employment Law Show and the Bell Talk Radio Network. 
All right, welcome back to it. It is one twenty Sunday afternoon. Good to have you with us uh, for the hour. Love talking about this. Love you joining in the show. You can do that at your leisure as well, right up until uh, just close to 2 o'clock, and that would be 416-872-1010. You have any questions, there is no dumb questions, no questions too bizarre when it comes to your work life. If you're an employee or an employer, feel free to uh, call us now and join the show, 416-872-1010. Email answers at employmentlawyer.ca. And a reminder as well, you catch Lior and I, the televised version of this show ask a lawyer that happens on cp24 wednesdays at 9 30 p.m again ask a lawyer wednesdays 9 30 p.m on cp24 you'll catch our uh our lovely mugs on the small screen. How about that? Uh, I want to get into our topic for the daily or as you know, everything you need to know about medical leave, still a huge topic coming off the end of the, uh, the biggest part of COVID anyway, still around, but it's been, uh, it's been a focus of your, uh, your work for the last two, two and a half years for sure. First of all, start off with a simple one. Who's legally allowed to take a medical leave from work. A lot of confusion there. It is a lot of, a lot of confusion and employers get this wrong. Employees get mm-hmm. this wrong. And certainly I, I can tell you over the past couple of years with COVID, yes, a lot of medical leaves, but it's not just a COVID issue. Uh, you can have many reasons as to why you may need a medical leave and it may not have anything to do with COVID. It could be a mental health issue. It could be a physical ailment. It could be a, a, some sort of a physical uh, injury. Either way, people that are entitled to, to go off work, people are entitled to medical leave, are uh, those individuals where the doctor, their doctor says, you need to be off. It's actually as simple as that. So if you have a doctor that says you need to be off work, uh, then you can be off work. It's not just certain conditions that need to that can be off. Uh, some people have medical conditions that you can't see on an X-ray or an MRI. You know, you may have a suffer from anxiety or, or depression. So those things are not things that you can see on a, on a scan. Does not matter. There's a, still serious medical conditions, and if you speak to your doctor, and your doctor says for your health. For your uh, medical reasons, you need to be off work. And the doctor gives you that note. That allows you to be off. That's all that you need. You don't need permission. You don't need to convince your employer. Hmm. It's simply as of right. You can be off work. But again, that doctor's note, and you'll hear this as a theme in this discussion, that doctor's note is extremely powerful and extremely necessary. Okay. I mean, the follow-up question, kind of an obvious one, now that we know we're allowed to, or at least you can go with uh, with medical permission to be on that medical leave backing you, how long can someone be away from work for uh, medical reasons? So here's, again, we go back to our doctor. You can be off work as long as your doctor says that you need to be off work. So the doctor is the only one that, that is qualified to decide whether you need a week off, a month off, a year off. It's your doctor that can say that. And if your doctor says you need to be off, then you can be off. There's no limit to that. There's no such thing as, well, I only have approval for my employer to be off for a week. Nonsense. It's irrelevant. It's not up to your employer. It's not up to the employee either, right? It's up to the employee's doctor. So you can be off as long as your doctor says you need to be off. Now, in some cases, you may have a doctor saying, yeah, you need to be off for a month. And you're off. And when a month comes, the doctor says, you know what? No, no, you're still not good enough yet. We need you to be off longer. So the doctor gives you another note to extend it. That is fine. It may not be that your doctor knows right off the bat exactly when you'll be back. So they may say, well, you're going to be off indefinitely and we'll just keep your employer posted. That's fine too. Or your doctor may change its mind, uh, his, his or her mind, and 
extend the leave. That's fine. Absolutely. So as long as you have a doctor saying you need to be off, you you can be off for the time period that the doctor says you should be off. Again, phone calls about this or anything else you're wondering, uh, call us here now live on the show. You got plenty of time. 416-872-1010 to, uh, to chime into the show. Emails coming up in a little while. Answers at employmentlawyer.ca. Can uh, I know, can they? I'm going to say they have been before, but what happens when an employer refuses to allow a medical leave? Says no, you, you can't be off. You can't do that. I need you here. Well, that that may well be the case that the employer needs you, and, and you know it's always nice to be needed. But the reality is this: your employer cannot, does not have the ability to deny your medical leave. If you have that doctor's note, here here's the doctor's note again, right? But if you have that doctor's note. Your employer can't do anything. Can't. It's not up to the employer. You're not asking permission. Hey, employer, here's my doctor's note. Uh, uh, can you agree to give me time off? No, you're not saying that. What you're saying is, employer, here's my doctor's note. I'm going to be off work. You're telling your employer in that situation. So your employer does not have a say as to whether or not you can be off. Now, in some situations, let's say that uh, you're uh, you're going to have surgery. And you, you, there's some flexibility as to when that surgery is going to happen. So it is appropriate to consult with your employer about when is the best time for you to be off so you can go have that surgery. Right. Perfectly makes sense. But if it's otherwise a situation where you need to be off pursuant to your doctor's order, your employer can't do anything. And if they try, if they say, well, you can't, and they penalize you for taking time off, well, again, that could be a human rights violation. That's a wrongful dismissal. It's illegal, cannot do that. So uh, employers, ultimately, you have to abide by the employee's doctor's note. You don't have to abide by the employee. If the employee says, I've decided that for medical reasons, I need to be off for three weeks. No, no, that's not good enough for the employee to do. But if the employee gives you a doctor's note saying that, then at that point, your hands are tied can't do anything. And even if you try to do something, yeah, you're going to be on the wrong side of a, of a legal claim. Uh, you don't want to be there. You know, we, we talked about off the off the top of this topic, saying that there can be a lot of mis- uh, confusion, misinformation. Here's one of the big ones, too. comes from not only employers, but employees saying, Lior, I get that. But, you know, I might need a month off or six weeks off to deal with a, you know, a bad me, but I only get 10 sick days. So I'm kind of screwed. Uh, yeah, and and I actually had uh, just over the past few days an email from someone who was saying essentially that, saying, well, my employer says I've exceeded my number of sick right. days. It does not matter. And here's what I mean by that. Sick days. What is a sick day? Sick day means the number of days that your employer has decided they'll pay you if you can't work for medical reasons. So that's a sick day, also known as a paid sick day. So the employer may say, okay, we're only going to pay you for 10 days. But what happens if you need to be off for 20 days? Well, what that means is that you're going to get paid for the first 10 days and you're not going to get paid for the second 10 days, for the for the remaining days, but you can still be off, whether it's 20, 30, 60, or 100. Ultimately, your employer can decide how many of those days are going to pay you. That's fine. That's in the employer's discretion. What they cannot decide is that you're not taking the time off. Mm-hmm. So if you're not, your employer is not going to pay you because you've run out of sick days, well, that means you can qualify for EI sick benefits, which will pay you for a few months. That may mean also that if you have a short-term disability plan or a long-term disability plan through work, you can apply for that, and those can pay you indefinitely. So there's various options for you to get paid when you're sick. The number of sick days that your employer provides has nothing, nothing, nothing to do with the amount of time you can be off work because of a medical condition.
And as you said, this all goes back to that doctor's note and your instructions from your medical team saying, no, 10 days ain't going to do it for you. I need you off for six weeks for surgery, so on and so forth. That is the, uh, that's the final word, as you say, right? John, listen, I've spoken with many people, countless people. They were off for months, some even years. I've spoken with people that for medical conditions were off for a couple of years. So that is, again, pursuant to what the doctor says. And if you have that doctor's note, you're protected. You can be off work. Let's get Anthony on here before we uh, go to break. Hi, Anthony. Thanks for joining the show. What's your question? Yes, um, very, very interesting topic. So two questions. Mm -hmm. One, what is a a reasonable amount of time for an employer to ask for follow-up medical? And secondly, does an employer have a right to send an employee to an IME, an independent medical examination? Great questions. So let's start with the second one. So no, an employer does not have a right to demand an IME unless they're getting conflicting information. So if at one point your doctor says you're fine and then they say you're not fine and then the employer is all confused, they don't know what's going on, then maybe there's a possibility to ask for an IME. But even then, usually they just ask for clarification from a doctor. So IME, forget it. They don't have a right to do that. They can ask for clarification from your doctor and that's it. Now, in terms of updated medical information, yeah, generally speaking, if it's been, you know, a couple of months and and there's no update, your your employer can say, hey, let me know. Give me an update. Let me know where things are. You know, are you getting better? Are you getting closer to come back to work? That's fine. So the question is, what is reasonable? I would say every couple of months, it's fine. Uh, Anything more than that, if they demand an update every week, that's overstretching it, Anthony. And does it matter whether um, these are paid sick days or unpaid sick days in in terms of your answer? It does not matter. No, all that matters is you have a doctor's note, paid or unpaid, does not matter. Thank you, Anthony. We'll uh, we'll get on with it. Christine, stand by. We'll get to you next as we take a short break. Uh, 416-872-1010. Lots of time still to go here on the Employment Law Show, the Bell Talk Radio Network. And we are back. Good to have you with us still. One thirty-five Sunday afternoon here. And uh, John Scholes, Lior Samfiru is uh, joining you, of course. Employment Lawyer, you want to reach out anytime, simply go to employmentlawyer.ca, employmentlawyer.ca. There's contact information there. There's all kinds of other things you can take advantage of as well. There's uh, past shows and our TV show as well, which, by the way, is Wednesdays at 9.30 p.m. on CP24. And email answers at employmentlawyer.ca. But we always tell you to give us a call here live on air, get some answers immediately it's the best way to do it right 416-872-1010 in that regard want to get to uh, christine christine thank you so much for uh, for standing by as they say for a few minutes how are you uh i'm good you guys Great. What, yeah what's your question good uh not so much a, well, a question is uh, a couple of comments um many moons ago in 2005 i was involved in a, a pretty serious accident i was sitting at a red light and some woman drove into me at 60 kilometers I was in a beautiful Firebird, so you oh, know, most of my man. damage, of course, wasn't visible. Um, it was whiplash injury, um, just uh, you know, you know, the thing where you hit your knee in the steering wheel, blah blah blah. Anyway, the thing that I was faced with was um, a, an insurance company, which I guess I shouldn't say on air, that made me fight. Uh, they put me through hell to get like short term. Uh, long term, and they actually uh, forced me back to work. I think it was um, in their in their mind the, the um, severity of my accident uh, required me to be off less than twelve days. I think it was, and 
against my doctor's orders, uh, any orders, basically, they forced me to... And luckily, I had hired a lawyer by this time, and the lawyer told me, you have to go in at least one day to show that you tried. And I was barely able to walk. <laughs> you know, but anyway, I did that. And then I had... So I fought for short term, and I, that took from July to November. And then it took me from November until the following May to get the proof for long term. And like I say, they, like I was going to write a book about this because it's it's literally uh, emotional abuse that they put you through. Because all they want is your number on a tree. They want you back to work. That's it. And they don't care. They don't like. I remember the company saying to me when I was at work that one day, I said, my doctor said I wasn't to be at work full-time, part-time, anytime. And they said, well, we take your doctor's orders on advisement, but we make your own decisions. (laughs) So... You know, know, I'll I'll tell you this, Christine, the the situation that you've described uh, at at our firm, we've seen so many times, unfortunately, because the the insurance company wants you not to be on their payroll. They want you to back on your employer's payroll so they don't have to pay you. So that's why we actually have a a whole team at the firm just dealing with these issues. And they're so good that now when the insurance company hears from them, they just back off right away uh, because they know that uh, we know what we're doing. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad you eventually you got this resolved despite the fact that it was completely an unnecessary ordeal and I think the lesson there for everyone listening if you're in in uh, Christine's situation where you can't work you know you can't work your doctor says you can't work but the disability insurer is like yeah no we don't buy that well right. you gotta give us a call because ultimately you have to push back against the insurance company they're not gonna just pay you because you're nice uh, and and these matters can be resolved and I think in the last few years Years. The good news, Christine, is uh, insurance companies have realized that fighting this too hard is not in their interest, so they've been a bit better. Uh, but I, I, I'm glad ultimately it got resolved for you. It did, but you know, I think for many other people who aren't fighters like me, um, that's why I wanted to write this book, and I still may try and do it. I've got all my paperwork from years and years back, and I, I really think it might do. Um, people some good when you know I mean people like you obviously are there to help but there's a lot of people out there who sure. don't know how to be don't know how to fight for themselves but anyway I'm glad uh, thanks for listening and I'm glad that I'm <laughs> I'm free and and you know they they did right by me finally but good luck to everybody and I hope everybody who's true um, you know mm-hmm. yeah. there was a really Crit- funny story I don't know if you have a minute. Yeah. Well, Christine, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what you can do is uh, yeah. you want to just hang on to that till next Saturday at one p.m. We do the disability law show here on uh, News Talk Ten Ten. We'd love to get you on the air and tell the story. And I know yeah. Savant, who's Lior's partner, handles the other half of the firm, which deals with exactly what you went through because so often those things are intertwined. Hence the reason they do both employment and disability. It's all under one house. But please join us uh, next Saturday at one on this station for sure, oh, and we'll uh, we'll discuss that uh, discuss that for sure. But thank you so much for uh, for calling in not an unheard story as i just mentioned leo you get this all the time savan we talk about this all the time on saturday it just doesn't stop there's so much uh, you know frustration for people dealing with both insurance companies and employers at the same time right well you know let me give you a classic scenario where the employment and disability issues kind of uh, intersect so you're off work, uh, you're, you're, you're getting your disability payments, you're still not able to work, your doctor says you're not able to work, 
all of a sudden your insurance company calls you and says, no, no, we think you should be back to work. So you have to be back uh, and then we're going to cut you off. Mm-hmm. Your employer hears that and say, ah, okay, so you better be back to work. And if you're not coming, if you don't come back to work, we'll consider you to have abandoned your job. And all the while you're thinking, holy cow, well, what just happened here? I'm still injured. I'm still sick. I can't work. My employer is threatening me that I've resigned. The insurance company is going to cut me off. It's a very bad situation. Unfortunately, it is a common situation. But the good news is it's resolvable. We resolve these exact scenarios every day. So if anything I've just said or that Christine just said sounds familiar to you, to you or to someone that you know, you got to give me a call ASAP. Yep. Don't hesitate, by the way. Toll free too, as I keep mentioning, one 821 5900 Answers at employmentlawyer.ca. But here and now, still taking your calls. we got lots of time, lots of open lines. 416-872-1010. We were talking about uh, before Christine and Anthony, before that, uh, medical leaves, everything you need to know. And uh, th- this one, I know you get all the time. And maybe employers, they don't do it uh, to be you know nosy or out of malice. They just don't know. And that is, does an employer have the right to ask an employee about their medical information like a diagnosis, for instance. Yeah, and then an employer may say, well, okay, you tell us you need to be off work, but we need more information. We mm-hmm. need to know exactly what your medical condition is. We need to know what medication you're taking, what treatment you're taking. And my answer always is going to be, well, why do you need that, actually? Uh, if the doctor says I need to be off, in what position are you, the employer, to assess that? Oh, you're only taking 200 millimeters of uh, biaxazol. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, how, by the way, I just made that up. Uh, it, it, it's not something that the employer can assess. And because of that, it's not something that your employer can ask for. So the bottom line is this. No, your employer doesn't have the right to know the particulars of your medical condition. They can demand to know what is the medical condition that you have. You may give them a note saying you need to be off work. Are you suffering from depression or are you suffering from a herniated uh, disc in, in, in your back? Well, it doesn't matter. What matters is whether you can work or not. Your diagnosis is not relevant and your employer can't demand to know that. So they can know your prognosis. Can you work for how long you have to be off work? That's fine. That's legitimate. They cannot demand to know your specifics of the medical condition. You can say no as long as you have a doctor's note saying you can't work. Get Angie in here before the break. Hi, Angie. Thanks for hanging on for a moment. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Great. What's on your mind? So um, I'm in a situation where um, I've worked for an employer for 20 years. I was unlawfully left terminated on six, and that's fine. But they've come and offered me a severance package, and they only offered one week of pay per year. My question to Lior is, my union lawyer, does he not know the same rules as the law rules? Like, or does that mean when I'm in a lawyer, the rules change? When I'm in the union, the rules change? Yeah, the rules change completely. The, the, the regular rules for severance have nothing to do with unionized employees. They do not apply at all to unionized employees. Unfortunately, unionized employees only get a fraction of the severance that non-union employees get. So, so yes, your, your, your lawyer would know the rules as they apply to you, which are completely different than the rules that would apply to a non-union employee. But what you can get potentially, if you've been uh, dismissed improperly, 
yeah, which a non-union employee cannot get, what you can get is being reinstated with back pay. So there's a legal mechanism through the arbitration to get you reinstated with back pay. So no severance really, or very minimal severance, but you could get reinstatement if ultimately the union fights for you and an arbitrator decides that you were wrongfully dismissed. So keep that in mind. Appreciate it, Angie. We'll go to a quick break. More of your phone calls, 416-872-1010. This is the Employment Law Show here on the Bell Talk Radio Network. 150 Sunday afternoon. So good to be back here live and doing the Employment Law Show. John Scholes and, of course, Lior Sanfiri reaching out to Lior and his team. They're always ready to have that chat, and they will cover you big time. one 821 5900 to call outside this hour of the show. Email is answers at employmentlawyer.ca, but we always tell you to call in, join the show, grab a mic, as it were, be the third voice on air, and that is 416 872 Ten ten. We're going to do exactly that. I want to get over to uh, to Alan here, who's been been standing by, I believe. Hey, Alan, how are you? Hello. There he is. How are you, pal? I'm well, thank you. Uh, thanks Good. for taking my call. I have a quick question for Lior. Um, I signed an employment contract, and in the contract there was a clause that stated that in the event I don't have the exact wording in front of me, but in the event that uh, uh, I should be terminated or dismissed or whatever, that uh, the Employment Standards Act would apply. Hmm. So my question to you, Lior, is if that's the case and I sign this contract, can I resort to common law to, to uh, get some severance? So the, the purpose, the intent behind that, that clause that you signed is to get rid of common law and to limit you to the minimum entitlements only if uh, if you were ever let go. And that could be a difference, the difference between getting uh, eight weeks severance and 24 months severance. That could be massive. So here's the thing, though. In about, I'm going to say 80%, maybe even more than that, of these cases, that termination clause is not enforceable because it's not drafted in the way that it needs to be drafted in order to limit you, to properly limit your entitlements. Now, obviously, I haven't seen what you signed, so I can't say if you're in the 80% or in the 20%. If you want, send me a copy of it. I'll take a look and I can tell you in about 60 seconds flat whether or not it does actually limit you. If it does, it's bad news. If it doesn't, then obviously it's good news. But the, we need to see the actual wording. But there's an important lesson there always for employees when starting a new job is read that employment agreement. Make sure you understand what you're signing, what you're agreeing to, because a clause like this, if it's enforceable, Alan, can cost you tens of thousands of dollars at some point. So we really need to be careful with that. Great. Thank you very much. I appreciate your help. I'll go, I will get in touch with you. Thank you. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate that, Tan. Uh, again, the uh, the email address, you want to motor that over, it's answers at employmentlawyer.ca. Wise words there to employers, too. Don't go to Google and just type off a uh, employment contract, right? Reach out to someone like you, Lee, or an employment lawyer and have this thing drafted properly, or you might as well just fold it up and toss it in the garbage, right? Absolutely. An employment agreement is a very important document, extremely important, whether you're an employee or an employer. So an employer, you have to have it drafted properly, always. Employee, you want to understand what you're signing and potentially negotiate the unfavorable terms. So be smart, think about those things, and call me for help. I want to get to Lisa. Lisa, thank you for hanging on for a moment. Good afternoon. How are you? Hi, good. Thank you. Excellent. Um, so my question is... Um, I was working for a company in a sales position, and that position was, um, there was a vehicle provided by the company, and during my time of employment, I was in an accident, and I was instructed to get the vehicle fixed at a body shop, 
And I was also advised that I had a rental car while this vehicle is getting fixed. This is all through the company's insurance. And just recently, that was a long, that was a while ago, like a year, but maybe a year ago. And so I'm no longer working for the company, but I did receive a personal letter in my mail saying that I owe GST on the payment from the insurance company to the body shop. Is this, is this my responsibility? So did you, you got a letter from the body shop? No, I got a letter from the no, I got a letter from the rental company. Sorry, that I owed the GST um, that the insurance paid for for the rental car. Uh, no, that would be your employer's responsibility. That wouldn't be your responsibility. So this was a company vehicle that you you were using for work, and you were using the rental for work as well. Is that right? Correct. So then that's not your responsibility. It's your employer's responsibility. So send this over to your employer. Uh, and if they give you a hard time, let me know. Yeah, I'm, I have a feeling that that's what's happened. Um, mm-hmm. I, how, how much anyway, money are we talking about, Lisa? It's not very much money. Maybe um, 250 something like that. Under $250. But okay. still, I don't feel it's my responsibility to pay. It isn't. No, so send that and over to your employer. I don't know why they sent it to employer. me. So, like, anyway, um, so what are you saying? I'm sorry, should I just forward the letter to the to my employer? My exactly. Employer? To, I guess your former employer. Now send that over to your former employer, and, and uh, you can even respond if you want to the... Uh, to the rent, rental company saying that uh, you've sent it to your employer and they can go ahead and deal with them directly. Right. Okay. That's great. Thanks, Lisa. You bet. Thank Appreciate you. your time and uh, and the call as well. Good luck with that one. We were talking about, in between our phone calls, Lior, that uh, all you need to know about medical leaves. And sometimes, you know, someone's off uh, for a lengthy time on a medical leave. Do they and how often should they be checking in with their employer to give them updates? So, you know, it, it's certainly a good idea. If you're going to be off for a while, a long time for medical uh, reasons, to check in every once in a while with your employer, to remind them that you're still there, to remind them that you haven't decided to leave your job. You're going to come back. You're just working on getting better. That reminder is very, I, I think it's very important. Now, if you're going to be off for two weeks, you don't need to worry about that. Just mm-hmm. let them know when you're coming back to work. But if your absence is going to be measured in months, not in, in weeks, then what I would say is, you know, every month or so, maybe even two months tops, I would contact your employer. You don't need to give them a doctor's note every two months necessarily, but simply a note saying, just so you know, I'm still getting treatment. I'm still working on getting better. I'll update you when there's something else. It could be one or two lines just like that so that they can't say later on, oh, we hadn't heard from you in eight months. We thought you just abandoned your job. We thought you decided you're not coming back. You're trying to avoid that scenario. So a short text message or an email, one line is great. And if your employer says, well, can you give us an updated doctor's note? That's okay too. You can provide that. That's fine. Uh, but I, I don't want you to forget about your employer because you don't want your employer to forget about you. I want to circle back a bit. You know, We had a discussion earlier about uh, being on disability and the coverage. So what should somebody do if they aren't approved for disability coverage, LTD, right? Or their claim gets cut off. A lot of panic there. It is. And ultimately, just like I said that the doctor's note is what matters when dealing with your employer, well, the doctor's note is also what matters in dealing with your insurance company. So if your insurance company is being told by your doctor you can't work, that you can't come back to work, they should allow you to get disability coverage and they shouldn't cut you off until your doctor says 
otherwise. Unfortunately, as I said earlier, they're often an insurance company uh, trying to push the envelope and then trying to get you off their payroll before they should. So the reality is, if you try to deal with the insurance company on your own, you're not going to get very far. You need us to give them a bit of a push. You need us to tell them that we're not going away. We're not just going to take your word for it and, and, and do what you say. So if you're in that situation, your insurance company, disability insurance company is giving you a hard time. We have a whole team just dealing with these issues always 24 7 so give us a call send us an email we'll connect you with that team they'll help you make sure that you get the benefits of your own and that'll just about wrap it up uh, for us for today thank you so much if you took the time to call in or email as well you can continue that conversation with lior and his crew uh now just call this number 1-855-821-5900 with all your matters it'll be handled privately and efficiently for sure emails are answers at employmentlawyer.ca and as always you want to go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca that website absolutely free and anonymous and you'll have access to the severance calculator there as well we'll catch you next time on the employment law show this is the bell talk radio network